0: values, And we're going to be looking at different proverbs and just different things uh, that really speak into what it means to be uh, a family. And today we're celebrating our heritage. Uh, I, I, I chose the shirt first. He, he, he copied me. <laughs> but what we're going to do this morning is something a little bit different. Um, between myself and Tepuiwa, we're going to do a bit of a tag team, you know, like, like WWE. You know, you're, we're going to make some impact now. Are you ready to be hit hard with some good truth? Um, but he's going to kick us off. Uh, we're going to be speaking about the reality of um, what the Bible speaks about. How do we? How are we a bit better or be more effective around um, friendships and neighboring and sharing our lives with others? And um, and I want to encourage us to, to open our hearts. Uh, next week we'll talk about, we're going to be talking to the husbands a little bit. So wives, you know, bring your husband along. Husbands, don't duck now next week. eh? I want to see you the next week. After that, we're going to be speaking to just what it means to be a wife. And some of you might be saying, but Gareth, I'm not married. Um, But I I really believe God will help us as we look at the Scriptures, as we look at what the Word says. It's going to empower us in all of our relationships. We want to really be able to build strong, cohesive sense of family within the church. And the last uh, Sunday of our four-part series, we're going to look at uh, what it means to effectively care for and parent our children. So we're going to be talking about those four uh, aspects today. So I want to pray for us. Are you guys ready? You're ready to hear, receive the, Lord, the word from the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here, Lord. We thank you for your word that is able to teach us, Lord. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers. And I pray right now even for Tabua as he kicks us off this morning. I pray for your presence, your peace, your joy, and your anointing to flow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have fun, bro.
1: Good morning. Uh, Okay, before I start, I'd just like to extend the thanks to the leadership of the church. It's really an honor to be up here. I do not take it lightly whatsoever. So with that, let's get right into it. I want to read from Luke 10 real quick. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Luke 10, verse 25, okay? So this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. So we see Jesus is here, he's teaching, and then behold, a certain lawyer, he stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's about the distance between porch and Glagstop. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed him by on the other side of the road. Likewise, a Levite, one of the helpers in the temple, when he arrived at the place, he came and he looked, and he passed by on the other side as well. But a certain Samaritan now, as he was journeying, he came where this man was, So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring an oil on him, wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, you know, like some money, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves and the lawyer he said he who showed mercy on him then jesus said to him go and do likewise so i want you to bear with me and picture this close your eyes if you're comfortable you're at one of the places where you usually go to during the week wherever it is you go you're at home maybe outside you're at the mall Maybe uh, in town, you're at work, you're at church. And uh, you see somebody that you just barely know. Like, you, you don't know them well, but you know them well enough to greet them, you know? Maybe like a head nod or just like a, how's it, you know? But you never really have a meaningful conversation with them because there's, there's just not that relational equity. So let's say also you don't like them for a bunch of reasons. Maybe they have a different culture, maybe they have a different skin color, maybe they have a different character, maybe they have different beliefs, maybe they have different thoughts about sexual orientation, maybe they have a different social status, you know, money in the pocket. They're just different. And for this reason, you don't really feel like you want to interact with them, you don't want to get closer to them. Some of us may be even thinking, hey, now what if I interact with this person and then they pull me away from Jesus? So be careful, yes, but how little is our faith in Jesus that we could think that? Bottom line is, you're under the impression that the two of you won't get along if you were to ever get closer. So, on this particular day, you notice that they seem beaten down by something. Something's eating them up inside, you know. They're having a bit of a bad day. Maybe they're walking around with their head down. They're not looking at anybody in their eyes. When they do look up, you see they have puffy eyes. They were crying. Or maybe they're just walking around like they're dragging their feet. They don't really, you know, they're they're down. What do I do as a believer and disciple of Jesus Christ? Do I think I am a safe enough place for them to be vulnerable with the wounds that they are in pain from? So if you are writing notes for today, the title is, Am I a Safe Place? So in what we just read, Jesus outlines clearly the type of responses that we meet when we see these people along the road. First, we have this super busy ultra-religious priest who sees the person in need and uh, they see this person is beaten down by the weight of life. The world is like falling and crashing in on them and he chooses to cross the road. He chooses to reserve his energy, his love, his time for somebody that's probably more worth it. No, 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 I'm on the Lord's business. I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. Now here's what the Lord says. In Matthew 25 verse 45 I tell you the truth when you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters you were refusing to help me stings or are we more like the Levite now you know we are somebody that has maybe an important position in society we have an important position in the community we have like some sort of reputation right So we get closer to this person, we want to see, coming closer. We might even say, hey, what's wrong? But there's no real intent to lead them to a place of safety. Usually, when we find this type of person, we're actually only getting closer to gather information, so that maybe later it can fuel our gossip, probably on some, hey, have you seen so and so lately? Hey, they have such a nasty wound on their face. You know them, man. They were probably out again on the weekend getting drunk and they got into a fight. That's the second person. But in Proverbs 11, verse 13, it says, He who goes about as a gossip reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy and faithful keeps a matter hidden, covered. So you might be thinking, okay, Tapiwa, so then how is he supposed to act? I don't have the answers, but Jesus does. Now, here's what we are meant to do. So we see in this parable that I just read, the parable of the Good Samaritan, this really good neighbor. Jesus says in verse 33 of Luke 10. When the Samaritan man was traveling and he saw this beaten, bruised, bleeding, broken, half-dead, naked man, he says that he had compassion. I love the Hebrew word for compassion. So the Hebrew word for compassion is rakamim. I don't know if they have it up Awesome. So the Hebrew word for compassion is rakamim, and it's rooted and formed from the word rekem. The word rekem means womb. The special thing about rakamem is it's one of those Hebrew words that doesn't have a double meaning. It means compassion. And I find it so profound that it's rooted from the word womb. So to all the mothers in the house, am I right in saying that the baby that is in your womb receives a much different level of affection and compassion compared to the baby before your eyes? That baby that's in your womb... They can't annoy you. They can't come wake you up in the middle of the night. Eh, mommy, I'm hungry. They can't come to you in the afternoon and say, Mommy, look, and then you see there's a glass with milk and tomato sauce mixed up together. In your eyes, the baby that's in your womb can do no wrong. The baby that's in your womb is safe. The baby in your womb is love. They are safely stored, they are safely nourished, they are safely loved, they are safe. Because you have chosen not to think about the things that that baby might do wrong in their life. They haven't even started walking it out yet. So why can't we do the same when we approach people? Compassionately. Compassionately, my friends. That is how we are meant to live out the love that God has lavished upon us. As ambassadors, as we heard last week, as saints, as servants in the church. That's how we're supposed to live out that love, compassionately. As family, compassionately. That's how we deal with each other. As people living in society around us, yes, we are citizens of a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God, but we are in the world, right? So how are we supposed to show them that we represent a different kingdom? by the way we love and the way we love in compassion so now when i am driving along the n12 see we put ourselves in the shoes of this this the story and i see somebody their cars broken down on the side of the road they're having a frustration fit you know they're like really frustrated they are kicking the tire, they are saying all the swear words that you can think of in all the different languages and cultures, they're just, they're frustrated. And this oak is probably frustrated because he chose a Ford Ranger of Hilux. You You notice, you see them and you say, ah, that's not Christ-like. Or you see that they are wearing Islamic regalia. Or you see maybe they are of a different type of sexual orientation. And in your mind, you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not inclined to help them. So what do we do as believers? Do I keep driving, acting as if I didn't see them, with the Holy Spirit busy convicting me? Turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. Or do I take a moment and I say, wow. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be your hands and feet. Lord, thank you that you have made this person come across me. Give me wisdom to help them. Empower me to help them. May your name be glorified in this interaction. And may they know you afterwards in Jesus' name. And I stop, I get out, and I help them. Compassion is what drives somebody to do that. Compassion is what helps us Help those that we don't know. Compassion is the thing that leads a pregnant mother to take care of herself for the sake of the baby she's carrying when she doesn't even know him or her yet. Compassion is what we use to build bridges between neighbors, it's what enables us to walk with people. That's discipleship. Walking with people when we are offended by their actions. You see, compassion is what can help us keep families glued together. Having compassion is saying, I don't know or even understand what you are going through. And, not but, and I am deciding to stand with you through it. I'm going to do my best to be here for you. I'm going to clean your wounds. I'm going to pour oil out on you to help heal the wounds. I'm going to cover your wounds. I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to give you food for your hunger, drink for your thirst. I'm going to bear your burdens and walk with you. Even put you on my back if I have to. As we take a walk and we go to the safest place that I know, and that's Jesus. So friends, that kind of love can only be given through compassion. A deep stirring of your inner man, your heart. To say, I don't care about what makes us different. My God, he loves us the same. And his love has been lavished upon me so much so my cup is full, it's running over and I can give it to you as well. So I leave you with this. Are we a safe place for those that seek refuge and shelter? Selah.
0: Yes, you're you're a tough act to follow, eh? Yes, let's give him another encouragement there. Well done. Well done. Friends, we're speaking about family values here we're speaking about how we become a safe place. Tepi was just beautifully explained to us or showed us just the beauty and the significance of, of walking in compassion, creating a safe space for others to come into. But when we, do, when we are actually in that place, the question is, what are we supposed to be doing and how do we live that out? Because what I've experienced in the family of God is that we do very well at inviting people in. We often want to, in our hearts and in our words, and do, we do struggle, as we were pointed out, to be able to live it out in a practical way. But I wanted to speak to us about how do we begin to, what is the, the clear viewpoint or goal? And also, how do we then express that if we we're thinking about being a safe place, the 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 main purpose, friends, why we want to create this safe space, why we want to be a family of God, is is actually one thing and one thing only, and that is to become like Christ. It's about like it's be, it's about coming becoming like Jesus in every way, and what I have found, I just recently heard a, um, a, a you know a sermon. By Leanne Bell, she spoke at our evening celebration uh, in Potsdam last week. And she began to tell of how she had gotten saved, coming to the family of God, sat under really good teaching, could see many exemplary examples of how someone is supposed, supposed to live. But she says when she got married, six years after being saved, part of God's family, Six years into that journey, she said the first time her and her husband had a bit of a disagreement, a struggle, a frustration, a misunderstanding, a cultural clash, she reacted in the way that only she knew how. Growing up, the way she was taught and what was modeled to her in her home, the way you deal with conflict, the way you deal with differences of opinion is you scream. You shout, you get excited, and then if you feel like you're getting nowhere in the argument, you run to your room, slam the door, and then you don't talk to your family members for a couple of days until things have calmed down a little bit, and then we carry on like nothing's ever happened. And she said she continued in that pattern, even though her husband said, no, I want us to become Christ-like. What that means is we want to follow Jesus' example. We want to obey His words. We want to live according to what He says. And so at every t- turn when she would scream, shout, run away, he would be right there at the door, listen, listen, love. We're going to talk it out. We've got to sort it out. And she said for 10 years of their marriage, that was how she chose to respond. Never actually changing. Hearing the right words, seeing great examples, but never actually putting it into practice. But there was someone in her life that said, I want to help you to become like Jesus. I don't want you just to be a hearer of God's word. I don't want you just to be someone that observes it from afar, but I want it to become part of who you are. Jesus wants us to become like him. And he said, after 10 years of marriage, that's 16 years of following Jesus. She finally began to make an adjustment. And I'm trusting, as I share with us today, that you and I would be encouraged, would be inspired to do towards that goal. So God calls us to become like Christ. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 says, For the Lord, that's all capitals, that's God Himself, gives wisdom from His mouth and um, from His and no, sorry, from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of righteousness or justice and watching over the way of the saints. The Lord is the one who sets our path, but he also then empowers us, gives us what we need in order to express that. But the way in which that is expressed, friends, the way that you and I come to experience that is within a family context, where we ha- are in a church that says, the reason why we are engaging in a relationship is because I'm not like Jesus yet, and me interacting with you, you sharing with me your journey with God, what God's been doing, you challenging me on certain points that I may be uncomfortable with is empowering me to become more like Jesus. That's what Paul writes in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 to 29 says, Him, we proclaim, that's Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, what? Mature in Christ Christ. For this I toil. Paul, a leader in the church, someone who's discipling people, a disciple maker, he says this is his toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Friends, if we want to become like Jesus, we need to learn to lean on him in increasing measure. But we also need to begin to learn to lean upon one another. And I want to ask you, are you a safe place for people around you? And in your relationships with people in the church, are you seeking out opportunities to point people towards that example? You see, in this parable that Tapiwa shared with us, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, we see how it's such a vivid. Jesus knew when when he shared that story that it was going to cover all of us. Any one of us that have come into the family of God find ourselves in some ways in that place. A priest, someone in authority. Someone that knows things. <laughs> A lot of things. Someone who studies, who diligently seeks out God's word and seeks out the deeper meanings, the Hebrew and the Greek, the context, the historical significance. But yet, in the parable, we see that all of his knowledge did not transfer or trans, was not transferred into action. Choosing to love, choosing to apply the knowledge. You see, friends, God wants us to walk in His wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. And if we want to be a community of of people, where people look at us and they go, yes, these guys, they live better or differently, and the fruit of their lives is far outweighs anything I've ever seen. We need to apply what God has said. Maybe you'll say, Gareth Wall, that's not me. Hey, Yo, I'm not a theologian. I don't sit in you know, on the preacher's meetings. I don't read Bible commentaries. Actually, all I want to do is I just want to worship. I just love Jesus' presence. I love coming together to pray. I love just, you know, every single moment. And your relationship with God is is really rooted in and is flows from the amount of time and moments you can have in God's presence. But as we see in the parable, this Levite, this worshiper, this one who was at, in the temple, he would be involved in aspects of worship, leading people in that, into that place. Even though he experienced God's presence on an ongoing basis, he refused to be God's presence towards this man that he meets. And so many of us, I find, we, are, we, we can pray and we can worship and we can, we can just say, I love it so much, but we fail to be agents of change, agents of, of safety for others. We don't bring people into a place of compassion, a place of of God's womb, this this womb that God is building with us, and so I want to ask you, and you might be asking this question: So, how do I become a safe place? How do we do this? Because if Leanne Bell could listen to great teaching, see it, it model to her, how did she eventually change? It was because she chose to begin to live and build covenantal relationships with her husband and with those around her friends the key for us to see this world transformed and actually for all of us as believers in this family of God for us to continue to build a place where people are nurtured and brought into the fullness of what God has for us we need to learn and contend for covenantal relationships now how do we do that we get offended now some of you guys are like what we have one another. Anybody married here? It's the greatest gift, the, the the most single most significant sanctification tool in your life. The one wa- thing that has helped me become like Jesus. It has been the m- biggest blessing in my life. Is married, being married to this woman. It's not quite the point I was trying to make. But she 's amazing, I mean, come on <laughs> You guys are clapping because AZ says because she fights with me then but this relationship, because we said we love one another not for what we can get from one another, but for what we can bring out from within one another, the gold, the christ likeness, and therefore I choose to be offended, but then also to work out that offense. If Peter says to his wife, Leanne, we will not let the sun go down on our anger, we're going to talk it out, friends, why don't we do that in the church? I have seen so many people, I would bump into people, they say to me, I ask them, yes, I haven't seen your church in a while, I mean, they they used to sit here, I could see them, you know, they're like, no, no, I'm still part of City O'Neill. Oh, really? But I don't see you anymore. No, I don't go anymore. Okay. Now watch you guys online. So those of you online, hello, but please come into the room, you know. Make sure you make your way in. The reason why the person said they're not coming anymore is they're like, no, politics, you know, politics. And then I'm like, what politics? Like, you know, do we, the, do we you know, political parties, do we, we talk about that stuff? No. You just find out, no, somewhere along the line... Someone in the church, disappointed, offended, rub somebody the wrong way. And then what we do as followers of Christ is we, we disengage. I avoid. I'm going to just bring it to the Lord. I'm just going to pray about it. But that's not what the Bible says. It says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 to 6, it says, Better is, is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse, perverse are the kisses of an enemy. Friends, we do this all the time. I hide my love. I say I love you, but I'm not willing to share with you the times when you've disappointed me. We've just experienced and enjoyed communion together. So many of us come and we enjoy communion, but in our hearts is unforgiveness towards people. So many of us actually don't move into the more that God has, because when people look at our lives, they go, oh, oh man, this is how he is. This is how he is." And I'm wondering, you've been saved for many years, and nobody ever showed it to you. I mean, friends, really, can we can we move beyond this as a church? Can we embrace covenantal relationships? Can we follow Jesus' example and His command, actually, in Matthew chapter 18? I'm going to read it for us. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell everybody else about it. Is that what it says? No, it says, go and tell him his fault between you and him or her alone. Friends, this isn't rocket science. You want to become like Jesus? You want to experience God's love for you, His grace? If we want to be a community of compassion, let's just do this. If He listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if He does not listen to you, go to the Clarksville Record and tell them about how offended you are with them. Oh, go to your your friend. I just accountability. I just, will you just pray with me about this situation? You know, just, I, I feel so, I'm concerned about John, you know. John is struggling. No, friends, we then bring others along with us. It says, but if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Why does Jesus say this? Because, friends, I have blind spots. Jesus says, before you judge somebody else, take the plank the out of your own eye. So when sometimes somebody rubs us the wrong way, we've engaged with them, we realize this, yes, but I, I still don't feel like this is working. I can take somebody, not somebody else that's going to gang up with them, but somebody else that's Objective that can say, you know what? You know what, Ains? I'll pick on Ains. You know what, (laughs) Ains? I've noticed that that is sometimes what you do. It's not always what you do. It's not who you are. It's not your identity. But I want to encourage you in your walk. Because what you say and what you do affects other people around you. God wants us to do that. And then, friends, in the very extreme case... Very extreme. When we are unable to resolve our differences, our issues, then we bring it to the church. You bring it to the leaders, and they. I, I have spent many, many years as a pastor in people's lounges talking things out. I've also been the one that has called others alongside me to say, Listen, please help me. I want to be a safe place. For people to come, I don't want anybody to hear about my frustration with someone else. If and this is what I do: if someone comes to me and says, "Ah, oh, no, 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 there's someone just telling me this one no, no, again," no, no, my first response is, ah, "Sorry, I don't want to hear about it." Have you spoken to them? Have you gone to see them? Have you loved them enough to have that conversation? No, but they'll never listen to me. You don't understand. They always do that. No, 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 no. They don't always do that. They are God's son and daughter. They're part of his kingdom. They're part of what he wants to establish through us. Jesus says if if we're unable or unwilling to resolve our issues, then we should treat people like they are unbelievers or tax collectors. Basically, like, listen, you can't say that you're a follower of Jesus if you cannot apply what the preceding verses have said. That's quite an indictment, friends. And I want us as a church, if we're going to be a family, we're going to be a place of compassion, I want us to embrace that. Because I want us to experience the fruit that comes. And this is what Jesus promises us. He says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Anybody want that that kind of access to God's power and presence in your life? As a church, friends, we want to see God break into this community. We want to see God open areas in this world, And it will only happen when we are willing to deal with our one and twos, our personal relationships. He continues to say, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them. By my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Friends, I have experienced in my life when I have been willing to engage with people, when I have been willing to, as the people who have shared with us, to be inconvenienced. I once had to jump over someone's wall to sort something out with them because they didn't answer my phone calls, they wouldn't meet me at any place. But I knew for the sake of the fruit I want to see in my life and in the fruit of the relationship that we can have. Friends, husbands and wives, the reason why you have children, why God blesses you, why God brings multiplication to you is because you're willing to engage in a covenantal relationship. As a church, God wants us to multiply. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants people to come into this place, and they can come with their their differences with their struggles, and they're going to be received, not like, well, I accept you, and I accept your, your, your behavior, and your belief, and how you see, but actually, as we become more like Jesus, we express that in increasing measure, friends. I want to ask us, can we, can we pray, can we ask God to empower us, can we, because we cannot do this on our own, friends, I know that God wants us to be a safe place as a church, and if you this morning are sitting here and you know, maybe even your seat's hot and you're feeling like the, whatever side of your body is also hotter because you know the person sitting next to you, is so there's something you've got to deal with them. Can I ask us to be bold? To go before the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart. Make it ever pure that I may be able to enter into your presence, Lord. I, wanna, I don't want anything to stand against or between myself and you. And I don't want anything to stand between myself and others. Because if God's called us to love him and love one another, then we need to be able to continue to have an open heaven over our lives and open hearts towards one another. So I want to ask us to stand and want to pray for us. If you are here this morning and like I said you've you've got some things you've got to sort out. Can I ask you It's a long weekend. You got some time? Set up that coffee. Set up that time with somebody. And just as as a helpful tip when you're coming to people or to somebody about what you think how they say things and what they do. A great way to start the conversation is you know, I have some perceptions. What is a perception? It's basically a lens. So I have a lens. I, from, what, from my perspective, this is how it, it seems to me your motivation or your actions are affecting our relationship. And when we say I have perceptions, it doesn't say you're doing this and you're doing that and please stop this and commanding people, but actually encouraging people saying, I don't know if I'm seeing it clearly. Help me understand. But let's not allow the enemy to have any room within us and among us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, Lord. Lord, I know that you're searching our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be, make sure that we are right with you and right with one another. And Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, I pray that we would experience your presence washing over us, Lord. I thank you that forgiveness is here. I thank you that, for, that compassion is And acceptance is here. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would knit us together today as a church in increasing ways. As we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.